What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Yard Podcast. I'm your host, Randy. And I'm your host, Konu. And we are ready to go for episode 10. It's, well, to me, it's officially the first day of baseball. Uh, We get baseball back. I don't care if they're not playing yet. I'm excited. So we can't wait to get into this episode, talk to you guys about everything up and coming and what's going to happen with this season. Uh, But first of all, you can find all of our latest news about the team and all of our Dodger related content at DodgerYard.com. And you can find us on Instagram at Twitter at DodgerYard and on Facebook at DodgerYard2019. And then lastly, you can find us on YouTube under DodgerYard. We're having, we have videos up there where we teach you guys how to score keep stuff like that. So check that out, please. And then, of course, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Randy underscore Radcliffe. And my Instagram and Twitter is Michael Konu. Yeah. So let's get into this. Uh, First off, as always, I feel like I say this every week. Thank you guys for your reviews and ratings. Keep leaving them on Apple Podcasts. I don't think you can anywhere else. Um, But if you're on Apple, leave us a rating and review. Even if you listen on Spotify, it helps other fans find our podcast. Um, and honestly, I think we kind of have a lot of fun uh, reading them. I We tend to send screenshots back and forth to each other of the reviews. So keep giving us those uh, and we'll keep reading them. And eventually we'll start reading them probably on the podcast. But I know everybody wants to get into the baseball news, especially Dodger news. So let's go for that. The Dodgers announced their 60-man roster on Sunday. Uh, you want to go ahead and let everyone know who's who will be at training camp today? Yeah, so like you said, they, uh, there was a 60-man limit, but the Dodgers had only announced uh, 51 players for camp. Some of those names include Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, Bruce Dargraderall, uh, Luke Rayleigh, Cody Thomas, uh, Zach McKinstry. So it's players who are on the cusp of being um, major leaguers, and then also a few others, uh, Mitchell White as well. And um, so the that... There's, they announced 51, but that leaves nine spots remaining. And I had brought this up to you earlier that I hope the remaining spots go to players like Cody Hosey, Michael Bush, maybe even Bobby Miller. I would have loved to see Clayton Beater, but unfortunately uh, he has not signed yet. So after looking at the roster of players, is there anyone you're excited for? Any surprises to you? And with those nine remaining spots, is there anyone you'd like to see added? Um, I don't think anyone surprises me. I feel like we all kind of know how our farm system is and we see the names and I've heard of every single one of them. Uh, so I kind of figured those were all coming. The one I'm most excited for, which I feel like I talk to you anytime I see his name is Josiah Gray. Uh, I've been really excited to watch him pitch. I was super excited to see him in spring training. We heard Roberts talk about how at some point he would have most likely been called up this season, whether it was prior to September call-ups. Uh, so I'm excited to see him cause we're going to have him for quite some time. And I think he was a big pickup in that Reds trade, uh, with Puig and Kemp and Wood and all that good stuff. So I'm excited to see him out there. You can never have too much pitching. So that'll be, especially righties. We've seemed to always be stacked up with those lefties. So give me a good righty on the mound. and <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm excited. Exactly. So of course I'm also excited for Jos- uh, Josiah Gray. Um, I'm really high on him. I think I've told you this. I even mentioned uh, a while back that because you have brought up that Zach Greinke had this scoreless inning streak. I mean, it wasn't close to Hershiser, but it was a long streak. And I had told you to bookmark that the next 
Dodgers pitcher that gets close to Granky's would be Josiah Gray. That's how high uh, on him I am. Uh, I think he's got electric stuff, and he's definitely going to be a staple uh, of this rotation for years to come. Also excited to see Marshall Kosowski, who could be a really good reliever. So, like, if there's an injury in the bullpen, he might be one of the... Don't be surprised if he's one of the first ones you see get uh, called up to the big leagues. I will say, however, I was surprised to see this name, Andre Jackson. I had never heard of him before. So when I saw the name and I looked him up, uh, he's ranked as the 24th best, 24th best Dodgers prospect. He's only made it to Rancho Cucamonga so far, but clearly the Dodgers must see something in him for him to be on the camp roster. So they clearly think highly of him. Have you heard of him before? I want to say like I briefly heard the name, but I can't actually tell you that I know who he is because I don't know if I have. He's that's that's the thing with the Dodgers farm. Like I feel like we pay so much attention to the top 10 and it's like the next 20 so guys or whatever are actually very good. We just are so stacked that I feel like a lot of them don't get the attention, but yeah. you said the See, furthest he made it was so far as the quakes, the highest. Retro Kukumogi, yes. Okay. So yeah, maybe he's one of those guys that is out there training, but I guess with this season, you never know what's going to happen. So I can't put anything past this team right now and who we might see at the big league level. I like to think of myself as someone who's, more well-versed into uh, the prospects, at least top 25, top 30. But like I said, I had never heard his name before. So I was like, who is this guy? When I looked him up and he, he was ranked 24th, I was like, I don't know how I skipped over him or missed him. And he is a black man, which is also really good because we definitely <laughs> need more of those in baseball. <laughs> so uh, I'm really surprised that I, I had missed him. Uh, I know what? a lot of fans Sorry. Are, Oh, sorry. sorry. What? Go ahead, go what ahead. No, no, no. Sorry. What? Just before you finish on him, what position was he? I missed that He's part. He's a starting pitcher. Oh, which okay. Then yeah. I like that even more. I think you and I talked about it not too long ago with Josiah Gray. We would, we had. I think we talked about when was the last time we actually saw a black starting pitcher on the Dodgers, and so that's that's right. that's I dope. Mean, we're now gonna we see David cool. Price, but yeah, hopefully yeah, in the coming yeah. years we'll have Gray and Jackson as well. I feel like it just um, hits different. No offense to David Price. I just feel like as a fan, it hits a little different when they come up through your system. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just how uh, I've always agree, been. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> I know a lot of fans are excited about uh, Bruce Dark Gratterall and what he could bring to the table. He throws a hundred miles an hour. So I know a lot of fans were excited about that. I'm also excited for Cody Thomas and uh, Zach McKinstry. Because just a quick little side note here, um, I can see those two players potentially replacing some fan favorites. Now, I'm not saying they will replace them production-wise, but I 100% can see Cody Thomas replacing Jock and Zach McKinstry replacing Kike. Don't shoot me, guys. I know it's not what you exactly want to hear, but again, they might not be there production-wise, but they do some of the similar things and obviously they're less expensive so i can see the dodgers uh going that route now as far as players i'd like to see added uh i did mention the the draft picks earlier but also i'm kind of surprised he wasn't on there to begin with and that's jordan sheffield now i know he's had struggles with command as a starting pitcher but since he's moved to the bullpen uh, i mean his command is still a bit spotty but his stuff has looked a lot better he's got a nasty change up he throws pretty hard so I'm not sure why he's not 
on the, the camp roster. I don't recall seeing anything about any injuries with him. So I think he should be added. I mean, getting some more work in, I don't think would hurt. Not that it's our not that it's our business and not that we should know, but do we know if maybe there's any health conditions that could be causing him to not play? Because I'd, I'd imagine those minor leaguer guys aren't going to allow anything from stopping them uh, besides having a health condition. And even then, I have a feeling those younger guys were fighting for everything right now. So I'd imagine the only way they choose not to play is if, like, it's a very dangerous situation. I don't know if we know anything i hadn't seen anything about that because i had googled just to make sure that i wasn't tripping um because i i felt the same way when i didn't see his name on there i was a little surprised so that's why i was curious definitely have to do some more digging on that one um also a lot of fans you guys have seen diego uh, diego cortai's name on there uh, top catching pitching a top catching prospect um well, he's like 18, so but I yeah. am glad to see him here because you know he's got a lot of potential. People think he's going to be the best one out of Smith, Ruiz, and himself. So, um, I'm glad to see him here getting some work in. And he's gonna, if he's if these inter squad games have these inter squad games are going to happen, so him being able to face like major league pitching or close to major league pitching should only help his development, yeah. And not to mention just being around guys like. Will Smith and Barnes who have spent time at the big league level and can kind of help him out and give him kind of some pointers. Cause I've only heard great things about him. Like I, that's why I keep thinking like, I don't know what's going to happen with Ruiz. Like we've talked about kind of his trade value just cause I've heard nothing but like off the wall stuff about Cartea. And so it just makes me wonder if the Dodgers just try to hold on to Smith, use Ruiz value. And then in what if he's 18, maybe well, depending on how good he is, Maybe in the next two or three, four years, we see him get called up. And but that's probably know. the route they're going to go because I think as Smith progressed in the system, because Ruiz was always ahead of him, and then Smith kind of took yeah. over. I think the Dodgers saw that as okay. Smith is going to be the number one catcher. Me personally, I would, I still prefer uh, Ruiz. I think he's going to end up being better than Smith. He has better I'll, hitting I'll, tools, I'll, I'll, right? I'll probably end up being wrong than Smith. Yes, he definitely has better hitting tools. Smith has more power. I believe they're about equal behind the plate. Um, so, but I, I've just always been really high on Ruiz. I think he has a higher since, ceiling than Smith. Since you've brought up Ruiz, because it reminds me, Grandall was a switch hitter as well, and he was just like you never wanted to really see him. I don't want to say never, but like it was not really a good time watching him hit right-handed. Uh, did you ever hear about what had they said about Ruiz about, I don't, I want to say his left side is weaker. I could be wrong on that. Um, that they had potentially thought about telling him to just focus on one side of the plate instead of trying to do both sides. So that way he could just be very good on one side instead of trying to be oh like good on each side. Did you hear about that? I actually did not hear about that, but I want to say he's better contact from the right side but the left side produces more power okay if so i remember yeah, I guess that you're correctly. not gonna not gonna so change that then i think he, he can hit for contact from both sides of the plate the left side gives him more power the right side is just more of his his contact so okay um but i can i can 
see them trying to trade him. But at the same time, I think at this moment, Smith might have more um, trade value just because we've seen him hit, what, 16 home runs at the major league level, even though he kind of tailed off after that. But he's shown that he can hit. So I was thinking maybe the Dodgers, well, from my perspective, the Dodgers could get more for Smith if they felt Ruiz could handle the everyday catching until Cartaya was ready. But yeah. if not, then Ruiz would uh, make sense to trade. I'm just glad they didn't trade him for the Pirates' closer because that would have been awful. Yeah, no kidding. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would that would have not been good to have that turnout for the Dodgers. But I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, I think that's all I got for that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that it? Was that all the guys? I don't – I know that was the – Yeah, that, that, was, that was pretty much it, yeah. Cool. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, big fan of Josiah Gray. We've talked about this a lot ever since we found out how this was going to work. I am praying that we somehow get TV coverage of these practices. Uh, I don't even care if they have to like mute it because the players want their freedom to talk about whatever they talk about. I would just love to be able to like watch the game or watch them even practice and be able to see how guys are doing. So I don't know if it'll happen, but when you're the Dodgers and you have your own channel and you have the capabilities of doing it because you don't have to worry about TV program like scheduling and fighting with other, whether it's sports, anything like that, I'm hoping that they'll just get as much content out as possible, especially now that they've made that new deal with uh, DirecTV and I think it was AT&T. Like, you need to get as many fans watching this as possible because they've driven away so many fans in the last however many years it's been, six, seven years since the TV deal. So, man, if we can even just watch practice, I am going to be so happy. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what happens there. So, as we know, players are showing up today. It's pretty much today is about intake testing. They're bringing the guys in to test them, make sure – they are healthy and do not have coronavirus before they can come in and practice with everyone else. However, last week, Andrew Friedman had said that a few players did test positive for coronavirus. Uh, however, the good news was, or I, I think it's good news the way he said it, but none of the symptoms were problematic. So it sounds like the players are doing okay. It's not a huge health concern. Hopefully it stays that way across the league because a lot of guys are going to get it. Um, and then, of course, because I know people want to ask, Friedman did not release any information on the players who were tested, as he should. Uh, I know fans want to know, but at the end of the day, it's none of our business. It's a health thing. If you don't see them out on the field, they probably have it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've heard reporters say that they actually, due to HIPAA law, they don't think teams are going to allow to be able to say the player has coronavirus. He's now out for two, three weeks, whatever it is. So if you see any managers or GMs come out and make very vague statements like players dealing with some stuff, that's probably what it's going to be because I don't think legally they are allowed to say that the player contracted coronavirus. So just to keep that in mind, uh, they're probably not going to ever give us names unless the players speak on it themselves. So if you don't see a guy out there, that's probably why. Um, Did you hear about, uh, sorry to cut you off, but, Speaking of the HIPAA violation, did you hear about uh, the Cowboys running back? Uh, yeah, Zeke. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, because his agent bad. had said, yeah, that was not good. Yeah, that, that can't be happening. Luckily, it hasn't happened in baseball yet. I hope it stays that way. Um, 
I mean, at the end of the day, fans don't even know need to know if any players have it. I'm glad we do know because I, coronavirus is very important, and I think that it is a good public kind of thing. Like, hey, this is real. Even very healthy athletes can get it. But I, outside of that, like, it's just none of our business, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, we, we don't need names. Just yeah. five so. players sets a positive. Doesn't matter who it was. Yeah. Um, with that said, that's going on today. Friday is the first scheduled team workout so guys are going to be on the field playing baseball the Dodgers are currently I think they finished it up but they've been working on a deal with USC to send some of the guys over there so it sounds like whoever is going to be on the 30-man roster or fringe on the kind of hanging out around there could be maybe 31 32 will all be practicing at Dodger Stadium whereas the other guys will end up uh, going to USC to get some practice in, which I like it. It's a good idea. Minimize how many people are at camp. You do not need 51 players all in Dodger Stadium at the same time. So that'll be interesting. But, my God, we are going to finally have (laughs) players playing baseball for the first time since March 12th. So I'm excited for that. Um with the upcoming season, Roberts has spoken a little bit about his strategy for 2020. One of the things he spoke about was that the Dodgers will not have a full-time DH this season. He plans to utilize it as kind of partial day off for regular players. So, of course, we all know how Roberts and the Dodgers analytics like to do their lineups. Everything is based on handiness, whether it's a righty or a lefty. Uh, But so that'll always matter. They're never going to have a set DH. Justin Turner was a name that was mentioned as a good example for this because he's getting older. You don't want him to get, even though it's 60 games, we want him as healthy as possible come playoffs, uh, come the end of the season, because every single game is going to matter. So being able to sit him or put him in a DH spot and not lose his bat. Of course, we don't ever want to lose his glove. He's still got it at third base. But to not to but to be able to give him basically a day off besides hitting, uh, I think is going to be huge because that guy is so important to the lineup. So I think that's going to work in our advantage very well. Uh, obviously, we'll probably see guys like Matt Beatty, Edwin Rios, maybe more so DH, Jock, guys like that. Uh, but according to Roberts, there will not be a set DH, and he also plans on using a five-man rotation to start the season. And he did say he doesn't anticipate starters going more than four innings for their first start, which sounds reasonable because when you go to spring training, they usually don't even go more than an inning at a time. Uh, It's usually like one inning the first game, two the next, three, four. Then they work up to about five innings or so. Um, So it's going to be a weird season when it comes to that. We might see, I've read in the athletic, we might see some piggybacking. Like you could see Urias go out there, throw four innings, and then see Ross Stripling come out and throw three or four innings. And that just might be the, since we'll have the 30-man roster for the first two weeks, that might be extra pitchers. So that way, last thing we need is for someone to get hurt because if anybody gets hurt, the way things are going with how short the season is, it could be the rest of the season or most of it. So got to protect the pitcher's arms. I did see some fans in the comments kind of getting on Roberts like, hey, why would you give away your strategy this early? But like, I think every single team is going to use the same strategy. So I don't think it's really anything all that. Like, I don't think the other team is going to set their lineup with the intention of, oh, he's switching to starting pitcher in four innings. So I'm not going to put my best player in for four innings or he's going to hit third or whatever it is. So I don't think that's a big deal. Just my opinion. Um, 
Roberts, in my mind, is a hell of a manager. I know a lot of people don't want to give him credit for that, but I trust him. I don't care what he tells media. It's at the end of the day, the players have to go out there and perform. That's all it comes down to. But with that said, I did have a question for you. If the Dodgers were to go to a six-man rotation, maybe they don't. Who knows? They have the ability to easily. Or if someone gets hurt, next man up. If we assume that Kershaw, Bueller, Price, Wood, and Urias are locked in as our five-man, who's the next guy up for that sixth spot? Uh, for me personally, Dustin May. Okay, I know that's there right. Are be some yeah. fans who say Tony Gonsolin, but I think I like Gonsolin better in the bullpen role than I like May in that role. So I would prefer uh, Dustin May. Plus, he has much more upside, and I don't. He wasn't terrible. When he pitched, he did struggle some innings, but for the most he part, just, I, I thought he was pretty good. He reminded me, like, not not in the way he pitches at all, but just his struggles of, like, a Kenta Maeda, where it's just a one-inning struggle. Like, that was the thing with Maeda. Like, Maeda would have maybe, like, one inning where he'd give up, like, three, four runs, and I feel like May did that, too, last year, where he was super good through, like, the fourth or fifth inning, I think, and then, like, the sixth inning, it was just a full collapse. Like, three, four runs came across the board, so... Again, that could totally be a like a stamina thing. He's still young, working into getting out there, throwing at a big league game, and the adrenaline that your body is producing is so much different than at a AAA level. He could, yeah, he could be wearing himself out, whatever the case is. Uh, so I I agree. Dustin May is my next one up. I do think the Dodgers actually kind of agree with you too. It seems like when it comes to Gonsolin, uh, but I didn't they have. Him start in spring, I can't remember. I know it's a shortened season, yeah. so what they did in spring is kind of irrelevant right now. But uh, I they think did. that's the good. Sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was gonna say they they did have him start in spring, but I know I could be wrong. But if I'm remembering correctly, while the rest of the starters were starting to pitch three plus innings, he still stayed at one or two. So in my mind, that meant they see him right now so far in like a Ross Stripling role where they just need him for one or two innings just to bridge to the uh, Kellys and Baezes. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's one of those guys that you can like what they did with Stripling was if someone gets hurt, you can start working him up to throwing three, four innings at a time, put him in there as a starter, but you'll probably be used as a long man or some type of relief pitcher at some point during the right. season. So um, and we know he can start because that start against the Yankees was absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. That was, yeah. Yeah, he's good. He looked really good in spring training, too. I don't think yeah, he gave up a run in, like, six or seven innings. So, um, he'll be fun to watch, too. I know a lot of people like him. But speaking also, on Robert... I just wanted to... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I was no, going to say, I wanted to give my thoughts on the uh, the DH thing. Um, oh, I'm going to get to that. We have to do the rules. Oh, okay. We're going to get to that, yeah. I, that's okay, all under the MLB, the finalized rules. So you can... I meant like what you had said. Oh, the, 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 Robert the Robert strategy. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I was just going to say that this his strategy seems pretty obvious. <laughs> uh, the Dodgers have way too much depth to, to have just one regular DH. Uh, like we mentioned before, it could be Pollock, Hernandez, Taylor, Beattie, Rios could DH. And then when you factor in players who need those partial days off, like a Turner, a Muncie, a Betts, a Bellinger, a Peterson, I think that's 10 players right there who could be potential DHs at any given time. So, of course, um, having not having a set DH makes the most sense. And the, the starters only going four innings 
it's going to be important for players like Stripling, Gonsolin May, and even Jimmy Nelson to be able to pitch those two, three to four innings just to bridge the gap, like I said, to those uh, Kellys, Baez's, maybe even Gratterall, Trinans. So that's going to be very important for them. Uh, also, it could be a good time for them to shine because if someone gets hurt, then Stripling, May, or Gonsolin will have to step in in a spot start role, which we know they can do. So that they, I just wanted to get that off my chest really fast. All right. Well, I agree. So we'll see what happens. I think those guys are going to be a lot more important than just people realize. Like, I don't think people understand. And it's, it's, I mean, maybe they do, but I feel like maybe as fans, we don't give enough credit to those long men and the, the kind of middleman. Cause that's at that point, they're kind of putting it on you. Like, Hey, you're not the starter, but you're going to go out there and throw a few Indians like you are. And this game's going to be held on you until you get us to our guys that can close it down. So it'll be fun. I'm excited. Um, but with we were talking about Robert's strategy, uh, some great news because we've talked about this and we're very stressed out. Um, Roberts is not considered high risk. He consulted with the team trainer and doctors about his level of risk being a cancer survivor. And he was told his risk wasn't any higher. So that's great. Uh, very happy to hear that. Uh, hopefully him. I know it's him. Scott Alexander and Kenley Jansen are all kind of. Have to be careful. I know they say Roberts isn't considered high risk, but even with his age, they have to be careful. So just hoping everybody stays healthy and we see our guys out there. And then. Yeah, on... and, uh, oh, sorry. Nope, go ahead. Cause it has, it's, I'm moving uh, on. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, uh, I mean, it's not funny, but I don't know where I've been because I didn't know he was a cancer survivor until you sent me that tweet. Or oh, either yeah. I don't, I didn't know or I completely forgot. So I don't know what world. I was living and I was like completely caught off guard. I think I even texted you um, like shocked, like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, but I am glad that he, he's not at any further risk than anybody else. And uh, Whether people want to admit it or not, like you had mentioned earlier, Roberts is a good manager. Yeah, he makes mistakes, but so does everyone else. Uh, and him making mistakes doesn't take away the fact that he's one of the better managers in the game. And I really honestly hope to see him in that Dodger dugout for years to come. Same here. I think a lot of people, fun fact that a lot of people do not know, uh, I believe it was two World Series, but everybody's a big fan of Tommy Lasorda as a manager. I am I am too. But yet people seem to ignore the fact that Tommy did not win his first or I think second World Series appearance that he took yeah, the Dodgers he lost to. Two in so, a row. Yeah. yeah, so let's, but you know what? <laughs> Tommy ended up probably being one of the, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say he was the best one. I know there was Alston, but fan-wise, people look at him as being the best manager we've had. He's praised all the time. And you know what? Roberts is right on track. He lost back-to-back -back years, so let's just – I'm, I'm going to give him a right. chance. But And then it took uh, sort of like six more years just to get back to the World Series and win it. So let's give Roberts a little bit of time here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we will. Um, next thing, not so good news. I mean, I think it's good news. I'm happy. Uh, I know a lot of people are bummed out, but the all-star game is going to be canceled this year. Last Wednesday, Jeff Passan tweeted out that the all-star game would be canceled. He had said that there was no official word yet uh, that they will be not playing, but that they will not be playing one. So there's nothing official come out, but there will no be no all-star game. A lot of fans are hoping that it gets pushed back into 2021. I do not want it pushed back into 2021. Let the Braves have it. Let them host. They're already on the schedule to host. 
uh, the way things are going with the coronavirus and people don't want to listen and wear their masks and social distance, we may not even have normal baseball come 2021. So I do not want to risk that spot again and uh, push it back till 2021. Let's just wait till 2022 when things are should be 100% back to normal. Uh, the city of LA deserves the best all-star experience possible. So I'm good with that. I do not care, but I know a lot of other fans do. So sorry guys, no all-star game this year, but I think it'll 100% be worth the wait to get it. Um, I concur. With, yeah. With that on to the next thing. Did you hear? I think I told you about the minor leaguers suspended that there were on Sunday. It was announced two Dodger minor leaguers were suspended uh Reza or Reza Ala Aziz I want to say if anyone knows please tell me how to say that I hate getting <laughs> players names wrong it really bothers me I hate when broadcasters do it so I hate being on a podcast not knowing how to say these names anyways he was suspended 50 games for testing positive for amphetamine and Juan Idrogo Idrago got 72 games for testing positive for, I don't even know what that is. GW. That name is so weird. GW5 zero one five one six. It's a PED. That's all you need to know. Uh, so yeah, they were suspended. I have never heard of them. <laughs> Not to sound, I, that probably doesn't sound great. It still matters. Don't, don't take PEDs. Don't cheat. Even if you've never been heard of it's, I have a feeling some of these players thought like, Hey, there's no season coronavirus. Let's get in that work. And MLB's still out here testing people. So, so, uh, yeah, but since we're on the talk about minor leaguers, good news. We've been kind of harping on the Dodgers about this. They are going to pay their players through the end of August on Monday night a tweet from advocates for minor leaguers. They tweeted out the remaining teams who had not committed to paying their Dodgers past or sorry, not paying their players past uh, June minor leaguers. That is. And the Dodgers were on that name of list. However, minor leaguer Ryan Mosley responded saying that the Dodgers will pay them through the end of August. So awesome on that. Um, with that said, now, since we're talking into August, isn't that almost just about the rest of the season because yes. the minor league season yeah. ends in early September. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they're basically paying them for the rest of the season. So yeah. Uh, good news on that. Glad they're doing it. But uh, with that said, since we're talking about minor leaguers and since I screwed up two weeks ago and totally forgot to let you talk about uh, our draft picks, which was kind of a big deal. I know you want to yeah. kind of talk about the ones that have signed so far. So go for yeah. that because you know about them way more than I do. Okay, so uh, the Dodgers drafted six people, but only four have signed. Uh, Bobby Miller, Landon Neck, Carson Taylor, and Gavin Stone. Now, the Dodgers do have until August 1st to sign Clayton Beater and Jake Vogel. Uh, that's the signing deadline, uh, and I, I do hope that those happen. I believe most of the signings have been under slot, so that should free up more money for the Dodgers to use on uh, those two players. Uh, as we all know by now, of course, Bobby Miller was... The first pick for the Dodgers uh, out of Louisville where catcher Will Smith uh, has played. Uh, I know people were saying Bobby Miller kind of reminds them of uh, Walker Bueller. Uh, Bobby Miller is six foot five, <laughs> so he is a lot bigger than Walker Bueller. He does have a bit of a funky delivery, which is why he has had some command issues. He throws uh, two types of fastball, the traditional two-seamer, four-seamer. Uh, scouts do seem to think that the Dodgers are just going to scrap the two-seamer altogether and focus throwing the four-seamer up in the zone where he will miss bets because he throws hard. Um, he has a slider that still needs some work, but most scouts see it as a plus pitch. Like, it has the potential to be really, really good. 
Uh, he has shown flashes, and he does use his changeup well to neutralize lefties. Uh, I did mention the command issues because his delivery is funky. So if the Dodgers are able to uh, clean up his delivery and make it more fluid, I do think uh, his command will will be really good and just help solidify him as one of the uh, top people in the rotation. Now, uh, I did see an MLB comparison for Bobby Miller, and that was Chris Carpenter for the Cardinals. Now, Carpenter is a two-time World Series winner, a Cy Young Award winner, a three-time All-Star, and he won an ERA title. If Bobby could give me half of that, <laughs> I think us as Dodger fans would gladly take it. I mean, Chris Carpenter had a pretty long career, but it was really just his prime career numbers where he was really good. So if we can get that from Miller, there's absolutely no doubt about it. We would take it. Miller has already endeared himself to Dodger fans by saying Walker Buehler is his favorite pitcher to watch. And if you just watch any highlights of Miller, then you would see why, because he brings that intensity and that fire that Buehler does. So having another pitcher like that at the top of the rotation uh, could only help. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Bobby Miller? Mm, I just like him. I don't really pay too much attention to draft picks. Um, I probably should, but I my focus is on the big league team. Once they're in double AA, A, triple A, I pay more attention. But he, the one thing that I noticed is his energy. I'm very, very excited to see that out on the mound. That reminded me kind of the, the comparison to Bueller was just his fire and his energy. So I'm excited for that, but um, I, I like the pick a lot. I will say that. So uh, like you said earlier, I hope he ends up somewhere on that 60-man roster and we can see him getting some work in this spring training slash summer camp. And we do know when he got his first check, he went and got a sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's going to fit in just fine. Uh, okay, sorry. So the, the next pick was a Landon Knack from East Tennessee State University. Uh, just one thing you need to know about Landon Knack is he's a strike thrower. He has no problem throwing strikes. He fills up the zone very easily. He's got good command on all his pitches. He might not have like the best stuff, but since his command is so good and he still has average pitches, it allows him to get outs. Uh, the year before the this year before the shutdown happened, Knack went four and zero with an ERA of one point zero eight in just twenty five innings of work. In those 25 innings, he struck out 51 batters, and get this, he walked one. Yes. One batter in 25 innings. That, I, I don't even know what's, that's just ridiculous amount of control he has on his pitches. Um, Now, to me, Neck, I don't want to say he reminds me of Josiah Gray. I think Wait, he's Wait, I'm similar. sorry. You said it was oh, okay. how many, how many strikeouts? 51 strikeouts. To one walk? To one walk. That was exactly the record that Jansen had set back in 2017. It was his 51st strikeout before walking his first batter. That's funny. Wow. That's crazy. Anyway, sorry. I just Man, I, that just that just reminds me of how great Jansen used to be. 2017. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited though. I will say I'm gonna let you get back to the prospects or the draft picks so we don't keep this rolling on but now that Jansen I'm excited to see how he'll pitch now that he knows the truth I have a feeling mentally that's going to do a lot for him uh, I would hope so um but so, yeah we'll back see. to uh, uh Landon Neck uh I don't want to say he reminds me of Josiah Gray I just want to say he's similar in the fact that um they were position players who focused on uh pitching and it just kind of just all clicked for them um so, Neck 
it sits around 96 to 98 miles per hour. And the deeper he goes in the game, seven innings, he still hits around 95 to 96. Um, so he compliments that fastball for the 12 to 6 curve. And from his own mouth, he said he has a new and improved slider. He said it used to be loopy, but he has since tightened it up. And obviously, clearly, it has uh, worked for him. Uh, in the fourth round, the Dodgers drafted uh, Carson Taylor, who's a catcher from Virginia Tech. Uh, he's a switch hitter, much like Kbert Ruiz. He's more contact than power. And much like Kbert, he provides more power from uh, the left side of the plate. He did struggle in the Cape Cod League, but he was playing through an injury. And once he got healthy, he went right back to hitting for the Hokies before the shutdown. He's got great discipline. Uh, you can tell that in his career he has uh, more walks than he does strikeouts. So that, to me, is always good to see. Um, his work as an actual catcher is seen as raw and a work in progress. So not great. I did see a lot of scouts say uh, they, that they think that he will need to move to first base. But if that's the case, he's going to need to provide much more power than he currently does. Now, the Dodgers player development is known as one of the best in Major League Baseball. So maybe they can improve him as a catcher and make him solid. Uh, the Dodgers have, we talked about this, Will Smith, Cabert Ruiz, and Diego Cortaya. So they seem rich and deep at that position. But we don't know how any of them will turn out. So getting more depth obviously doesn't hurt. For me personally, I see Taylor as a backup catcher at best. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think backup catchers are important. I think they work with the bullpen players more um, and, and things like that, as we see with Austin Barnes. So there is a role for him. And uh, the last guy the Dodgers took uh, end up actually ended up being the first guy they signed, and that was Gavin Stone from Central Arkansas. In his final start in the short season, he threw a 13-strikeout uh, no-hitter. I know people are thinking Central Arkansas, he probably didn't face anybody. Doesn't matter. That's impressive. <laughs> uh, so Stone was a reliever prior years before this year when he joined the rotation. He's got a small frame, but it's a simple and strong delivery that helps him explode off the mound where he can get to throw 98 miles an hour, especially in those short stints. So uh, he throws a slider and a changeup to get uh, swing and misses and get hitters out. Stone strikes me as the kind of guy who would be a great bullpen piece. Only if need be, though. Like, I assume the Dodgers will use him as a starter first. That's kind of the rule. You have to use pitchers as starters first, and when they fail there, then you move to the bullpen. However, I'm not saying he's going to fail as a starter. I'm just saying I think with how he is in short bursts, throwing 98 miles an hour to complement the, the, the slider and changeup, I think a, a bullpen, him in the bullpen, would make uh, the most sense. But yeah, that's the draft picks. I I wish I had like some something to say there, but I I don't unfortunately. I I I kind of rely on you. I know I text you when that was going on, uh, <laughs> kind of asking for your opinion on things. So I'm gonna probably I I guess actually never mind. I was gonna say I'll probably do that throughout the season, but I guess they won't. Uh, no. We have a season to watch, so never mind. So, but yeah, I'm gonna expect you oh, wait, to keep wait. an eye on them. Those those players could go to the Arizona Fall League. I believe that's still kind of on the table. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, I'm not putting I, my I, hopes I do up remember, for anything in Arizona. I do remember right seeing now. people saying that uh, these players could go to the Arizona Fall League. 
obviously yeah. that's in the fall but uh yeah yeah arizona's a full-blown disaster right now so i'm not putting too much hope in yes it or is anything but we'll right. see that'd be cool if there are games as long as i keep them safe don't let the fans in i'm all good for it um so last little tidbit of dodger news um yeah, I'm just going to speak on this one. It's a little bit tougher, too. But on Friday, we all learned about Andrew Tolls being arrested in Key West uh, for sleeping outside of an airport. We've heard on and off about his struggles since he came to the organization. Unfortunately, when he got hurt in 2017, he was doing what he always did, going all out for a ball to try and save Urias's. I think it was no hitter at the time. Uh, ended up tearing, I think it was his ACL. And he unfortunately was never able to fully return to baseball. And it just, according to his family, has not been good for him. He's been in and out of mental hospitals over the last 18 months. So basically the point of us bringing this up was it is Dodger news and it is important. But what's more important here is mental health and what can happen if it is not taken care of. Um, I believe the Dodgers have done everything they could from what I've read to help him when he was in the organization. It sounded like they had someone who was, I don't want to say basically Toll's assistant, but almost like a best friend that did literally everything with him. Grocery shopped. They did everything they could to try and help him. His family has asked the team for help. It sounds like they're still trying to do it. So at the end of the day, that's really all we can ask is we really hope that Tolls gets the help he needs and we're going to keep him in our thoughts. And just at the end of the day, please check in on those that have mental health. Uh, keep yours mental health in shape because I don't think enough people pay attention to it. And we have very unfortunate situations like this. Um, so I think as a society, we need to bring more attention to mental health and it will it could really help a lot of people like him in the future. So um, uh, prayers out I to him and I, his family. And yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, uh, I agree with everything you said. I think more people need to take mental health seriously. And I had always felt like a strong connection to Toes because of his battles uh, with anxiety. Uh, reading this piece from Nightingale, it was hard. It was really tough to get through. And, I just want to say I hope Tolls accepts the help he needs. It sounds like people have been trying to help him, and he just, like you mentioned, he just keeps leaving those mental health facilities. So I hope at some point uh, he accepts that help because that's what's really going to get it done. And uh, just best wishes to Tolls and his family. Yeah, so keep him in your thoughts and check up on those that are closest to you because you never know, especially during a time like this in isolation social distancing you never know uh who could need it so with that said we're gonna move on to the mlb news first thing before we jump into everything it is the 100th year anniversary of the negro leagues and players throughout mlb and milb have paid their respects to the african americans who have paved the way um it's really cool to see everybody involved with this from mlb all the way down to minor leaguers uh from players who played in the negro leagues have all been on social media speaking on it it's i gotta say i'm very happy they're doing this but also like why have we not learned about this in years past more uh but you know what they're doing it now so we should all take the time and learn about it We've seen so many greats who have played in the game because of the Negro Leagues and everything that they did. 
Um, so with that said, if you, you've probably seen it on social media, but we want to tip our caps in celebration of the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues. And I know you had some thoughts on that as well you wanted to talk about. Yes. So the Negro Leagues was, it was great. It gave black players the opportunity to play baseball since obviously they couldn't play in the majors because of racism. It gave them a platform to showcase that they had skills as well. And it shed light on players such as like Satchel Paige, who I think is considered the greatest Negro player in the history of that league. Uh, it also gave us like Josh Gibson and Cool Papa Bell. And in the later years, we had Jackie Robinson, Don Newcomb, and Roy Campanella also play there. Uh, interesting enough, now I'm sure maybe some of you knew this, but I did not know this. Uh, in 1945, when the majors created the Committee on Baseball Integration, uh, Branch Rickey, who was the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, sent scouts looking for the best black player. And uh, Branch Rickey's final list was Roy Campanella, Don Newcomb, and Jackie Robinson. Now, we all know he went on to choose Jackie Robinson. And then they ended up getting Roy Campanella and Don Newcomb anyway. So yeah. I did not I did not know that was his final list. It was really interesting to, to see that. And uh, the Negro Leagues, it was just great for black people to be able to play and also for the black people to just sit at home as fans and have something to look up to. And um, so that really must have been great. And one other thing I want to say, uh, I wish MLB would put more resources into black communities and I wish baseball was more affordable so we could get more people of color interested in the game that could hopefully lead uh, to more people of color at, in the major leagues as managers, GMs, owners. Um, so, like, there are African Americans that are interested. There just needs to be an effort or a path, a door for them to be shown how to get there. So that, yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to say. Yep, and that goes along with what David Price said, and that actually goes along exactly what Ian Desmond said. <clears throat> Sorry. And what it is like for players of color to p have the resources. He spoke about that in his Instagram post. I do think everybody should try to read that if they can. Uh, but with that said, let's get on to the rest of the stuff. A lot of rules and dates for the 2020 season became official the other day, so... These aren't all the rules, but I wanted to kind of give you guys the biggest ones that seem to be bringing change uh, that's going on in the sport. So the important dates that are today, July 1st, is the first official reporting day to spring training. Full workouts are not allowed until Friday, July 3rd, and then opening day will be on July 23rd or July 24th. As for the rules, the DH will be in the National League for the first time in history. Extra innings will now start with a runner on second base. Three batter minimum rule is still in place for the 2020 season. It was a new rule prior to the coronavirus. MLB was going to do it either way. Uh, they did say it's going to stay that way for 2020. Position players can pitch at any time. Before the season was shortened, coming into 2020, they had made a new rule that would not allow position players to pitch unless it was extra inning or something that MLB called the six-run rule, which my assumption is if you're winning by six or losing by six, you're allowed to use a position player. However, that has all been nixed, and so this year uh, any position player can play so that way they don't have to worry about injuries. And then players or managers, this is going to be an interesting one. Players or managers who get in the face of umpires or opposing players within six feet 
will be subject to ejection and discipline, including fines and suspensions. So that's basically all the main rules. There's a little, there's other little ones like players have to bring their own rags to the mound, how many balls they can use in batting practice, how many days until they've got to sanitize them. But these are the main things that you will see when it comes to the game and things changing. Um, with opening day coming up and having no spring training games, they are allowed to have their, or they're having intra-squad games. However, they are allowed to hold three exhibition games prior to opening day. Um, so basically the Dodgers can schedule up to three games before opening day. We still don't know who they're playing on opening day. My guess is it could be the Giants. It might be the Astros on national TV. I kind of want to play them once we've had some games under our belt first, but we'll see. Uh, with the Angels being only about 30 miles south, it's possible we could see them schedule a couple games as well as maybe with the Padres, but we will see what happens. Uh, if they do play those games, even though they're going to be exhibition, I really, really hope that we get to watch those. Uh, now, with the 2020 season, there comes a lot of conversation about whether or not the World Series trophy will be legit. So today, an article from The Score came out. And they spoke to Rich Hill and they talked about the 2020 World Series. And he said that the 2020 World Series champion would be no less legitimate than the Astros 2017 title. So in Rich Hill's mind, it doesn't matter if it's 60 games or 162. This is a legit season. The players are going out there to play. They still have to go through playoffs. The game may be a little different, but the guys are still out there. Apparently, uh, actually not apparently, but I read Bellinger, Bueller, and Muncy have also commented on the same thing, and they agree 100% with Rich Hill. This is a constant question that I see on social media between fans. So I do have a quick question. Uh, we'll try to be quick about it because we're running here on running out here on time. Will the World Series championship be legit to you as a fan if the Dodgers win it in 2020 or any team? Doesn't even matter. Do you think the 2020 World Series trophy will be legit? Uh, so in a sense, because they would have won fairly and not cheated like the Astros. But for me personally, I don't think it would feel like a championship. Now, don't get me wrong. I would be happy if the Dodgers won, but it wouldn't feel as good as like a regular season kind of winning the title thing. Like I've never experienced it as a Dodgers fan, so I can only speculate uh, that's just my initial gut reaction to the whole thing. Now, I did previously say it still mattered, but that was when, like, the 80-plus games were being discussed or whatever. 80-plus games is at least half the season. 60 is only a third of the season. So the feeling of the long grind to that accomplishment would definitely feel different for me as a fan. It, I guess it, it does count. But I can't properly cry and celebrate until they win it the regular way. I'm on the same page, kind of, sort of. I have gone back and forth so many times. I don't even 100% know how I feel yet because it's one of those things that, like, I feel like I can feel some way. But if it happens, I might feel differently. Um, I have had a hard time with this because I want to really be there when the first one happens I have never seen one in my lifetime I want to celebrate with my friends I want to go to the parade I want to be at Dodger Stadium with Dodger fans celebrating um I don't want to be stuck 
in a house during coronavirus. That to me, I think might be more than anything. I totally get the game thing, but I think for me as a fan, I want that feeling of winning it and being able to celebrate like everyone else does. Not being able to have a parade, not being able to actually go to any games or be at any World Series. It just kind of feels like a whole punch to the gut like cool we won but what does it actually mean when we couldn't be there to celebrate it uh with the players just even in the stands type thing but at the end of the day it does not get taken away from the players no matter what the fans say however I did read the athletic and I think it was Pedro Mora had said uh someone had asked will the title be legit and his response was that's kind of up to the fans which in a way it is um we will never be able to take that away from the players if they win but there's nobody who sits around and debates world series titles except for fans so when it comes down to it fans are going to have their say uh i guarantee every 29 fan bases will say it's not legit no matter who it is Uh, And one fan base will say it is, whether it's the Dodgers, the Yankees, whoever it is that wins the World Series, that fan base, I think, will believe it's legit while every other fan base does not. Those are just my thoughts. But uh, yeah, it's going to be You brought up a a good point about the parade. I hadn't thought about that because like when the Lakers won those championships, I remember the parades being like really fun and crazy. So I can only imagine what a Dodgers parade would be like. But since we're not going to be able to have one. Yeah, that, that, that was a good point that you made. Yeah, let's aim for 2021. I'm not going to root against the Dodgers to win it this year, but if they – I mean, the biggest thing I want them to win it is because I want Mookie Betts to come back, and I want that trade to have been worth it, like for 60 games of Mookie Betts to trade away three players, uh, three very controllable players. I want the trade to at least be worth it, so it's not like I'm going to say I hope the Dodgers lose. I want Mookie Betts to come back. Uh, I just, as a fan, I want to be able to celebrate it with other fans, but yeah, with that said, actually, I'd be interested to know other fans opinions. So do me a favor, tag us at Dodger Yard or our personal, let us know what you think, because this is something that I think a lot of fans are going to debate on. And I want to hear everyone's opinion with that said, getting down to the end, uh, players have started opting out of the 2020 season on Monday reports had started coming out that players who would opt out of the season, and that included the first player to publicly opt out was Mike Leake from the Diamondbacks. Ryan Zimmerman and Joe Ross had followed shortly after, and then I believe it was later that night or the next day, my days are all mixed up, uh, Ian Desmond decided to opt out. He decided to opt out due to coronavirus. He has a pregnant wife and also has four children at home, but also due to where we are as a society. Uh, Ian Desmond... He is a black man and he knows what it's like, what everything's going on through this country right now, the racism, uh, police brutality. He's spoken about it on his Instagram and the things that he has experienced are not things, the racism he has experienced firsthand from people. And as a father, he has said he wants to be there for his kids and be able to answer questions about what's going on in the world and what he can do to help. Uh, When you mentioned earlier about black people not being able to afford baseball that was a big thing that Desmond had talked about and how it is important that too many people are starting to go the travel ball route and that seems to be the only way you get paid attention to it's not becoming an affordable sport Um, in the lower income areas the fields aren't taken care of so kids can't play out there or they do and they risk getting hurt whatever the case may be so it's a really big deal Um, and I I just hope nobody 
says anything negative negative to him about it because it takes a lot I think for a professional athlete to do that um especially when he knows the kickback from everybody else the blowback whatever could be very severe but he stood up for what he believes in and I respect him for it so I just I hope that when he comes back next year he's treated with that respect because he spoke on how clubhouses are very racist homophobic and sexist so hopefully I'm praying him calling out MLB and clubhouses and addressing what's going on does not end up getting him treated like shit next year when he comes back to baseball so um, he's teammates with Daniel Murphy so that makes sense yeah he's yeah uh, never mind we're not gonna yeah we're not going there with Daniel Murphy because we don't have much time <laughs> left and I'm about to get angry uh yeah no don't like that guy fuck that guy sorry anyways um as the opt-outs so this has to go with the opt-outs because I know people are gonna have questions about this Jason Stark had tweeted yesterday as the opt-outs begin to filter in some opt-out conditions that apply a high-risk player who opts out can later change his mind if the team physician and MLB joint committee committee approve any other player who opts out cannot return for any of the 2020 season or postseason He then clarified that comment and said it was MLB's original stance that non-high-risk players who opt out cannot change their minds. However, MLB and the Players Association are still negotiating a possible judgment adjustment to that position. So it sounds like there's a possibility players will be able to come back. However, uh, I'm going to be 100% honest when you and I had the conversation about this yesterday. I did not see that player union and all of that would have to... uh, agree so that part makes me feel better I think if it's left up to kind of a player vote type situation if they think it's fair for that player to come back then I think that's a good way to handle it Um, I just don't want to see any players get hurt due to a player opting out whether it be last minute whatever it is uh, that's kind of my biggest concern I don't know if you have any thoughts on that really quickly but Uh, we had mentioned this over text about uh the player opting out like just before his like a starting pitcher opting out just before his start and i had said i don't think they would do that i think they would take that last start and then opt out immediately afterwards but i could just be naive i I have no idea how they think um i think they should be able to opt out when they want to as far as the coming back though um like you made your choice yeah. Just just sit out the rest of the season and let the younger ones or the younger people play and give them a shot at the 60-game season. I think that's just how I feel about it. Now, if players vote and they're okay with that person coming back, I, I can't say anything about it because I have no say. Just me personally, I think once you opt out, just take the season off. Yeah. No, I agree. That's where I stand. Uh, if a player wants out, that is more than fair. I just, like I said, I my only concern would be pitching, uh, someone backing out the day before a start. But I think as a pitcher, you would not do that to another pitcher. Like you kind of mentioned, I, I don't think it's you being naive. I kind of don't think a pitcher would do that unless something insane had happened and a player found out like, hey, my wife, like has Corona. I right. need to go be with her yeah. something, which like that I would 100% not be upset by the player uh in any means but yeah I don't I don't like the whole coming back thing I don't really if you make a decision to leave and open up that roster spot to somebody else that's your decision you made it uh 
I don't really think you should be able to say, eh, never mind. I want to come back. Give me my spot. Screw that guy. Too late. Sorry. Right. So if those guys so, are going to put in the work and risk yeah. their health, I think that they deserve that spot and should be out there and be playing. Right. So, for example, like if Alex Wood would just decided to leave, I don't think he should be able to come back. That roster spot or that rotation spot should go to uh, May. And if May, if there was a six-man rotation, six rotation at that point, then Gonsolin should be the sixth man. And so yeah. just move May up and then move Gonsolin up. That's, yeah. yeah, that's how I feel. So, um, with that said, there was yesterday some extremely unfortunate news when it came to minor league baseball. Uh, it was announced. We all knew it was coming, but it still sucked to see it become official. They announced that they had to cancel their season due to coronavirus. Uh, it's a huge hit to teams, players, development across the entire league. I feel really bad for the players, especially the guys that were maybe on the fringe of that call up to triple a or even triple a to the big leagues and just might not get that time this year because their team just has too much depth or they just never get a chance to set on the stand step on the field. And with Manfred already wanting to get rid of 40 plus teams, it looks like coronavirus may help speed up that process, which upsets me even more because Manfred is a joke and horrible for baseball and getting rid of 40 plus teams of cheap games in a sport that is potentially are kind of statistically dying because it can't get fans excited is going to take away $12 tickets to sit behind the up and coming Cody Bellinger or guys like Bobby Miller. So uh, not a fan of that. have never been a fan of that. Unfortunately, coronavirus, I think has really screwed all of that up. So yeah. Um, with that said, like, you, like, Oh, okay. I was going to say, uh, like you said, we've been trending in this direction from the beginning. I mean, there was no deal reached, but even when there was discussions about a potential season, nothing about the minor leagues was <laughs> ever brought up. You did mention yeah, Manfred. I'm sure he's fine with all this. He's a dick, care. so whatever. Yeah. Um, I know some players will get to stay in camp and work out, but it's not the same as playing actual games, growing and learning, and getting that actual game experience. So in that aspect, it, it does really suck for those players. Yeah. So with that said, we're done for the day. Of course, I'm going to give my positive podcast moments really fast. And this is all about the Dodgers Foundation. They have been doing so much since coronavirus has started. Um, they've been helping provide books and educational resources to the families of Dodgers RBI program which is so they do this thing called Dodgers RBI Dodgers RBI Dodger Day drive through wow that's a lot um, where they help they help pass out supplies food and other things families may need to help them get through these tough times they've been constantly posting resources about how to combat racial injustices and what we can do to help um, tons of stuff that's going on every day in the community the black community Dodgers Foundation is doing a great job bringing attention to that They have also, they're, well, they're going to be named the 2020 Aspen Institute Project Play Champions. So they will be one of 18 local and national organizations being recognized for taking new, meaningful, specific action consistent with the Project Play 8 strategies for youth. And you can find more information about that at as.pn slash pp champions. Um, so, yeah. With that said, that's all I've got for you guys today. Uh, you That's all you've got, I'm assuming, too. That's all I got. All right. Well, as always, we appreciate you guys listening. 
please go rate, subscribe, whatever it is. Follow the podcast. Do all that good stuff for us. We really appreciate you. Uh, Next time we talk to you guys will be the Dodgers first few formal workouts into this good thing. Spring training 2.0 summer camp, whatever you want to call it. And I cannot wait. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, night, whatever, when you listen to this and we will catch you guys next week. Bye guys. See you later guys.